Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. And you're listening to the See You Next Tuesday podcast. That's with, on, is that right? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> we flipped the script. I had her announced today. That's so weird. It's weird, right? Yes. Because then you're like, okay, I'm kind of like the beginning. Does this determine the whole thing? Like, I, 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 uh, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you did great. Boop, boop. Um, Oh, Willie. Two-Eyed Willie just passed out. Y'all, let me tell you about Two-Eyed Willie. We kind of mentioned it last episode, but it was in passing. So, I carry Two-Eyed Willie everywhere with me. And sometimes at home when I'm getting stuff out of my purse, I set him on the kitchen counter. And um, my asshole dog apparently got a hold of Two-Eyed Willie. And he's now lost his left leg. The bottom half of his left leg, yes. from the knee down, <laughs> from his elbow down on his right arm, and his lower jaw. <laughs> and his head won't stay on straight. It'll only spin around backwards. If, if Two-Eyed Willie isn't us at this point in the plague, then nothing ever will be. I feel like I deserve a... You want like a Dis- new disabled parking tag for when? Oh, for Willie. For when he comes with me. Places. Yeah, we have like a little mini one. Yes. His size. Yeah. Uh, yes. You're like it's for Willie, okay? I'd be like, Willie. Yeah. And me. <laughs> and me as well. <laughs> Sometimes I fall down. Hey. You got any stories for us this week? You know what? I thought of a really good one, and then I forgot it. Oh, that's oh. fair. That's okay. Oh, I know. Oh, Amanda. <laughs> I'm a mess. You're not a mess. No, I really am. So I'm going to tell our listeners about this new thing I found that I'm really stoked for you to try with lunch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Y'all. Sonic has leveled up. Sonic makes hard seltzer. Oh, you sent me that photo and I was like, no way. What? Are they good? So fucking good. Okay, so they don't taste like cough syrup. Because I always worry. No, it tastes like they're Sonic drinks. Tastes like a cherry limeade and a limeade and a limeade. And and can you tell if they're... Like, you can't tell that there's alcohol in them. No! God dang it. That's so great. It's bad. I'm walking through Costco. And um, so I never pay attention to, like, the beers and shit in Costco because um, we don't drink beer. My husband doesn't drink. I drink wine, tequila, and every once in a while I'll drink the Topo Chico hard seltzers. Yeah. So I don't pay attention. But we go down that aisle because on the other side is like the cheese and stuff. And sometimes I'll buy like maybe yogurts or something. Mm -hmm. I was on the phone and I just happened to glance to my right. And I went, holy shit, put that in the cart. And the person I was on the phone with 
was like, well, it was my mom. She was like, what are you talking about? I go, there is Sonic hard seltzers. And she was like, what? I was like, there's Sonic hard seltzers and I'm buying them. She's like, that's a thing? I'm like, yeah, it's a thing and I'm buying it. Yeah. And these are fucking amazing. Oh my God, I can't wait to try one now. Apparently, Sam's has them as well because I was talking to um, our boots on the ground marketing. I'm going to, when you're listening to this, you know who you are. You are now my boots on the ground marketing manager, (laughs) Um, a.k.a. the wagon bag manager. (laughs) About it. And she was like, yeah, I saw those at Sam's. So you apparently can get them at Sam's. She's like, I didn't buy them. I was like, girl, go back and get them. Yeah, no, trust me. You, you're going to want to try some of these. No, that's awesome. Get it, Sonic. God, and have you tried it with, like, their crushed ice? You know what I mean? That would be the I ultimate. I know what you're talking about, but no, I haven't. Okay. I just, I mean, you almost, then you run the risk of the ice melting and melting down your drink. No, so here's what you do. You go to the Sonic. You buy a cup of their ice because, you, you know, you can just buy their ice. Or you can even buy bags of their ice. Yes. Bring it home. Pour the seltzer in right. a glass with the ice. Right, but then you run the risk of the ice melting and watering it down. I am, Sonic Ice is pretty good about not melting. Normally it like makes that like slush. I'm just saying. So, okay, better plan. Make the ice out of the seltzer. And then when it melts, it's just <laughs> seltzer. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Now you're on to something. Yeah, see? I got now you there. you're on to something. Yeah. But yeah. Did you see the the um, report I sent your way? I think it may have been off of TikTok. Yeah, it was. It was a, a nurse I follow on TikTok that there's a study that shows that people who drink red wine over beer, actually their cells don't essentially latch onto the coronavirus as readily as people who drink mainly beer. No. So red wine drinkers, you kind of have this weird ass... Not immunity, but like system fighting uh, COVID built into your red wine drinking, which is so crazy. is that why all the um, rednecks are getting the Rona? I guess. Maybe I'm on this beer kick and I have been for the past like two years now. I'm like, shit, I need to go back to my wine kick. <laughs> no, I drink white wine. I will drink red, but my preference is white. And you know... I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not ashamed. I buy the boxed wine. I buy the Boda box. It's good. It's a cost-saving measure. But it's also good. And it's real good. Now, let me show you what they have. And I have it in my fridge. And I'm going to let you try it along with your Sonic Seltzer. You're just trying to get me drunk. (laughs) What what paperwork do you want me to sign? What's happening? I want you to turn over all your assets into this (laughs) podcast so I can make all the dollar... I knew it. <laughs> the whole dollar. Yeah. <laughs> I want the whole dollar. So Boda Box now has, it's called um, Boda Box Breeze. What? And it says that it is low carb and calories. Oh. 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 So they made like a low carb and calorie white wine interesting is it good well and they i think they have it in red too i just yeah they have boda box breeze red too have you tried it 
Yeah, I haven't. I haven't tried the red. I have. Oh, you're the, saying yeah, that's the one you have, and you want me to try? Yeah, I have the Pinot Grigio, and it's really good. I actually think it tastes better. Really? Yes. Do you think that maybe they removed some of like the preservatives? Maybe that's why, because you know, like wine in other countries doesn't have the preservatives like ours does. It says um, uniquely blended for a lighter bodied wine. So okay, so it's like a house I blend. Don't know. Interesting. Um, well, I'm excited to try it now. I so think it's good. Heads up, that is our alcohol corner, or I should say, our bartender corner. Really, because, you know, we'll throw some mixed drinks in there every once in a while, too. I mean, I do really love me a good Marg. Yes. And the H-E-B has a new um, margarita mix. For those that you don't know, don't know, H-E-B is a grocery store chain down here that we adore because they're incredible. If you want to Google anything, just Google the Snowpocalypse... 2021 in February and see what HEB did for everyone. Texas. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. You know what they did for truck drivers that were stuck at like, not even truck stops, but like those roadside bathroom mm-hmm. breaks. Like the pullovers? Yeah. They delivered little bags with like waters and Gatorades and granola bars and stuff to the truckers that were stuck there. That's incredible. I saw it on TikTok. They were like, I don't live in Texas, but if I did, I would shop at H-E-B because look what they just delivered to us. And that's why we shop at H-E-B. I'm just saying. Yep. So it's called H-E-B Shake and Share Margarita Drink Mix. This is what it looks like. They have a regular and a spicy. Ooh, have you tried the spicy? Oh, yeah. I already finished that last week. (laughs) You're like, oh, no, girl. I'm way ahead of you there. I did the spicy first because I love me and spicy. And then I got the regular because... Because you want... I mean, to see, like, the difference... What do you prefer? Um, or do you like both? I like both because you don't always want a spicy. No. It depends on what you're eating because if the food you're eating is spicy too, you're kind of like, I You don't like want a spicy Rita. Double time it. Yeah. Hurt myself. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. I'm just saying. That is your boozy, bougie bitch corner. Boozy, bougie bitch corner. Wow. Hard to say, but I like that a lot better than my idea. So we're going to go with that. Oh, and by the way, hi, Cunties. Oh, hey, Cunties, what's up? We forgot to say that last time. We did, so sorry. Oh, it's going to take us a hot sec to get there because we're a hot mess. Yeah, we are. Hey, Cunties. Truly a hot mess. Amanda can testify. Me fiddling with the mic stand for like a good five minutes. She's like, try just flipping it over. Oh. <laughs> Let yeah. me tell you, we have some Twitter. We have another... Um, um, podcast on Twitter. They were so excited that y'all voted for Cunties. Oh yeah, we forgot. To- <laughs> yeah, when we revealed what y'all wanted to be named, it, there was like this whole explosion on Twitter. Um, um, and some of our we you know keep in contact with a lot of other indie podcasters, and um, they lost their minds. Oh, they were so excited. I want to make sure I shout out the right one. So give me a hot second. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Do you I'm remember the name of the podcast? I think I do, but I want to make sure I get it right. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually um, recently come across a new podcasts as well. So um, first of all, welcome new people. If you heard about us from another podcast that we may have been promoted on. 
We love working with other indie podcasters. If you yourself are an indie podcaster, hit us up. Oh, here we go. It's um, sometimes. No. I'm a mess, (laughs) y'all. No worries. We're going to find it. But yeah, Cunties was a great choice. I, I, I really like it. It was 69 Whiskey. They are hilarious. And that's the name of their podcast too, correct? Yes. And they do um, a like sex and drinking podcast, right? What's their? Drinking, sex, and entertainment. Yeah. So head over there if you want any and all of those things. Yes. Um, so this is, this was in a Twitter group we're in was the gif that they <laughs> it's this guy like raising his arms like a w like yes yes like doing like that motion and then they put fuck yes <laughs> so y'all have some fans as well check that out yes and so it was just it was so funny like it, it was it i found it really funny those guys are really funny and i just i loved their reaction yeah no, that's fantastic. And honestly, you do have some fans. We are y'all's fans. I'm your biggest fan. Absolutely. Oh, and if you need a mom, because you do not have one, there are, we offer our services first off, and there is also this phenomenal service um, called Stand-In Families. Yes. That can help you out, get you into a better living situation, even a temporary one, and or just be literally like a stand-in person at your wedding I mean like it's incredible incredible so yes I y'all. mean even just to be someone to talk to mm-hmm. um be a friend be a mom be a sister be a brother be a just to be to vent to be a whatever um there's a Facebook group mm-hmm. I'm a part of it mm-hmm. I love it it's so supportive of everyone, I'm learning so many new things that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great, to be completely honest, like because I don't know everything, and I'm like, um, I don't know what this is. I'll tell my husband, I'm like, I don't know what this means. I'm going to have to call my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's important point you're bringing up is like, I think for a lot of us, sometimes we feel like the world can be passing us by and some people get really upset by that and then they lash out. Or some people go, okay, I don't understand this. I want to learn it. It's new to me. Give me a second. Let me learn and understand. And then they do. And then that's that's it. That's the end of it. It's, it's called life and learning and being a human and not knowing everything on the first go around this planet. I mean, because, okay, so here's like, everyone knows like, I'm over 40. Like, there's a lot of things that, for me growing up was not the norm right that it, it is now like in popular culture it wasn't said out loud even yes like at all like <laughs> even when i was in high school like it was not oh um stephanie's gay cool that's her girlfriend cool whatever let's uh invite them to the party yep and it wasn't we're going to hate them and we're gonna make fun of them. that wouldn't even it either it was just not a thing you didn't say anything if you no. were like you were so underground because you had to be hell even me and i went to high school in the early 2000s and it was still there then so so yeah it was 
very like hush hush essentially so you know i am learning what all these things are and i'm open to it i love it i think it's great because i think everyone should be allowed to be who they are and love who they want to love and do the things and all the things and i don't give a shit and i don't think you should be persecuted hated or anything and i think the people that kick their families out for just being who they are those are the cons Mm -hmm. and i want to be the family for those people but i sometimes don't always understand what all the different things are yeah or even the abbreviations right right (laughs) so i have to call in my um what is she Jen. daughter Gen Z. She's Gen. Z, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I got to call in like Gen Z backup. <laughs> which like, is which is honestly great because it just shows you that you have an open mind, you're willing to learn. And it's and the, to genuinely learn, so you're like, "Okay, now I understand more about the this um completely, and not only can I support it, I can also now speak with them and speak with it, you know, with that knowledge." Yes. So, I think it's great. And we encourage y'all to do the same, but also like, yeah, hit us up. Like we'll absolutely either provide you support or, or point you in the right direction. There's plenty of resources out there. Like she said, stand in families. If you're on TikTok at the underscore zombie underscore Dan is the one who runs it there. Turns out, by the way, he's a hairdresser. <gasps> yeah, I didn't know that either. I love that. He does this on the side for free. This is not like his business. Oh yeah, no. So heads up, he's not making money off this. Unfortunately, he had to go on, on TikTok and say that yesterday. And I was like, why? Wait, why are you <laughs> he even having to say that? Like, come on, y'all. People and just want to tear him down, you know, tear people down. So. If you're in our area and you need family, we will be your family mm-hmm. if for anything. Like, yeah. if you need a mom, I, I will be the mom. Like... I've always been my kid's friend's mom. Like, <laughs> when my daughter was in dance, they all called me mama and our last name because I was their mom. And so when my daughter went to college, I didn't just lose my daughter. I lost all my daughters. Oh, It was so sad. I'm sad now. Oh, no. You ready to get more sad and talk about murder? <laughs> no. I need you guys to adopt me. Oh, wait, so it's the other way around. You need to stand. <laughs> so really, just add Amanda because she needs the family. <laughs> I'm glad we had this therapy session. This was good. This is bougie bitch therapy time. <laughs> Y'all didn't know this, but turns out that's exactly what this is. <laughs> Oh, and um, do we want to give out the suicide hotline number? Yes, please. I have to get it. Hold on. Yeah, we are um, doing this for multiple reasons. Like, just so you know, neither one of us at this point in our lives aren't are thinking this way. However, we know people out there might be. Or on the edge, or they know somebody who is and don't have the number off the top of their head, and hey, you're listening to a podcast during work, and you're like, oh, I'm going to text my friend, and here's that number. 1-800-273-8255. Perfect. So yeah, hit them up. They're absolutely here to help. They want you on this planet, and so do we. Yes. Now, we're going to throw you even further over there. Yeah. (laughs) 
So here's a horrendous uh, murderer. So today, I'm not gonna say the name. We're just gonna just go with me on this journey. No. Then you could get out. Fine. <laughs> Come on, two-eyed Billy. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. She's packing up. She's leaving. Are you going to tell me the name? Yes, I am going to tell you the okay. So James Clifford Carson was born on November 28, 1950. Um, there really isn't a lot about his childhood I through the Googles. So I did a couple of back pages, like page three and four, and I was like, okay, I'm not finding anything. I thought you were going to tell me you were on the dark web, and I was about to <laughs> <No>. really um, <laughs> scared. I was going to kick you out of my house. No. Um, however, there was a book written by journalist Richard D. Reynolds called Cry for War, which I did not have time to read. But check it out if you are extremely interested in this case. It is... Slacker. I know. I'm a slacker. I know. You're over here reading books left and right. I haven't read a book in a while. Yeah. So most of the info, however, I have is actually from his daughter, so I think it's actually a little better because it's you know firsthand and also she knew her dad you know but did she we're gonna find out did she James attended the University of Iowa and met his first wife name not listed for privacy reasons probably Um, afterwards he attended graduate school at the University of Southern California when James was in his 20s in the 1970s, a family friend convinced him and his first wife to move to Phoenix, Arizona, which they did. His wife got a job as a teacher, and James decided to stay home and sell weed. Oh, that's cool. Um, honey, you go and have a legit job. I'm gonna do nefar- nefarious things. Yeah, it was not legal at the time to sell weed in, in California, by the way. <laughs> Heads up. Um, and I didn't mention that they're hippies. So this is like, yeah. Um, in 1974, when he was 24 years old, they had a daughter named Jennifer. She goes by Jen with two N's, by the way. So this being the 70s, they're in California. They are, he's obviously selling weed. They both do drugs. I mean, it's the time period. Um, but James, James's use was excessive. Like, his wasn't like, oh, this is so I can relax, whatever, weekends, having fun, drinking with friends. No, no, no. This was like all day, every day, more and more and more drug use. And not just weed. We're talking like everything, you know. Heroin? Um, I I don't know if they did heroin, but yeah, definitely um, meth. I mean, you know. Yeah, and a lot of not good. So he, after this started, this heavy drug use, he started physically abusing his wife. Yeah. There we go. Yep. There it is. Luckily, this was enough for her to be like, beat feet, bro, and she divorced his ass in 1977, moved out with Jennifer, and they maintained shared custody. How? How? Why? I don't know. I think probably, my guess is that her mom probably was like, look, I'll allow him to see my daughter, but only like two days a week. Because I'm sure she was thinking... I I want her to have her father still. Hopefully he'll get out of this period of his life. Is my guess in my head. That's what I'm thinking. She's thinking. Like she's hoping for the best here. Yeah. Because especially if it came... Think about it this way. If it came all of a sudden, like he's acting irrationally and you're like, okay, surely he's going to get over this eventually. I don't want him to not see his daughter while he's going through this process. So maybe it'll help him 
realize he does need to sober up when he does see his daughter. You know what I'm going to buy us? Because this is what I think we need. Have you seen that Instagram ad for those um, snuggle pillows? They're weighted and the little arms go over you and it's like a hug. No. Yeah. I think I I think I want one of those. I want a weighted blanket. Uh, I think that it would cause me anxiety. I I really. Uh, they're expensive though too. That's the problem. Is why I haven't bought one because I looked into I mean, it and I was like, because I want the big one. Target. They do. And if you have a red card, it's five percent off. Oh, I didn't know that. So, according to Jennifer, James's daughter. James met Susan Barnes through a family friend. Okay, and there are a lot of family friends here suggesting things, and then they just take their ideas to heart. What? They must be have some really like tight knit, like family friends because. Okay. I mean, if you were to suggest things about me, they would probably be right. I guess that's true. You know what I mean? I know, but like life advice to like move with your family to another state. Oh. You know, um, I mean, meeting people, that makes sense. But then like, you know, before whenever it was like, hey, you guys should move to Phoenix. And they're like, okay. You know, <laughs> like I just feel like it's just a very, oh, like trusting thing to do, I guess, with family friends. Anyway. So James met Susan Barnes through family friends. Susan was a wealthy married woman with two teenage boys of her own. Allegedly, Susan was using a lot of drugs herself and cheating, so this led to her divorce before she even met James. And then, of course, the two hit it off right away. Fire and ice, baby. I mean, like, they just fed off each other's crazy. They continued their extreme drug use and started dabbling in mysticism and ritual blood and sex magic. Big fans of Aleister Crowley, and this is my editorializing because of what I know about him and from the Murder Mountain Netflix documentary, which if you haven't had a chance to watch it, it's worth it. Um, During this time, they decided to change their names because God had told them to. Oh, why do you do this to me? I told you. And guess what? I tricked you. I didn't really tell you his name. (laughs) Gotcha, bitch. James. Then I'm not buying you a moon pal. Oh, it has a little face. So it's like a weighted, like, little hug stuffed animal. Yes, this is what we need to get through this. And I'm not buying you one. All right, that's fair. I deserve that. So James changed his name to Michael Bear Carson. And Susan just changed, like, her middle S to a Z. So Susan with a Z. That's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah, she didn't fully commit. Girl, if you're going to go for it, go fucking go for it. This dude changed his name to Michael Bear from James. Come on. So if you were to change your name, what would you change it to? Stella. You've thought about this. Oh, I have many, many, many times. Stella, done. Hands down. Goodbye. And ideally middle name June. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then if I could have a third, it'd be Stella June Bowie. Well, I'm not shocked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, not at all. How about you? What would you change your name? I don't know. I've never to. thought about it. Are you haven't? No. Okay, get back to me at the end of this episode with what name you want. You could have a something with a middle name of Danger, too. You could literally change your middle name to Danger. And then whenever people are like, <laughs> whatever, you're like, no, but my middle name really is Danger. <laughs> And then whip out your ID. I know. Antonia. Antonia. Oh, I like that. 
I love that name ever since. I don't want to tell this story. Now you have to. Now you have to tell us why. Ever since it was Luke Perry's girlfriend on 90210 when and she died when her when her dad accidentally killed her when he was trying to kill Luke Perry. Oh shit. Okay, so this is where I get tapped out time-wise cuz I was too young for the show. And I mean, I know. I get it. Like it, it's See, he didn't say by the bell. He didn't always date Brenda. Okay. He was dating Antonia and apparently I think like God, I think they were like involved. They were like probably cartel or something like that. Oh. And her dad didn't want them dating and he was trying to have Luke Perry killed and instead she accidentally got killed. Oh shit. Oh. Okay, she's showing me this little snuggly. That is really cute. Moon that is Pals. really cute. Send us Moon Pals. <laughs> Not you, the two listeners we have, but Moon Pals, the company. Send us Moon Pals. <laughs> so they changed their names. Their living room was painted black with 100 plus plants and no furniture except for a waterbed. Um, that's not stable. No, but I will say this is very much a lot of aesthetic things that I've seen recently on like TikTok and shit. So I'm also like, I mean. You're not stable. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Jennifer would have visitations with her father because, you know, remember they, that's the custody thing and they would forget to feed her. Um, they, oh. her um, dad and Susan we passed out naked on the waterbed the oh only piece of furniture oh, after all the you know drug use I can't why why are you telling me this I need a I can't she called her mom to tell her what was happening of course and at one point asked Susan to rub her back one time well Susan apparently I don't know how she did this rubbed like wounds in her back I mean, what I'm Wait, guessing, what? yeah, is either she's like rubbing her through her shirt so much as there's like a friction burn, or she's like scratched or some shit. I don't know. But this poor little girl, Jennifer, is just like, look, I'm just here to visit my dad, not like get abused or assaulted by this rando. This is not making my headache better. Sorry. Michael and Susan started moving around the US for four years before leaving altogether and traveling Europe. Okay, please tell me that means that um, Jennifer did not have to see her dad anymore. No, well, he, he's in Europe, so. Not well, at that I didn't point. know if like they tried to send her to Europe. Oh no, 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 no! I'm sure at that point, especially after those calls, her mom was like, "And we're done with this." Quarter no, <laughs> like I don't think you need to see your dad. So Susan and Michael's hope was to become were to become citizens of Israel because her father was Jewish. Because okay, let me roll by. Um, Their hope were, were to, to become citizens of Israel because Michael was Jewish. But I don't know how many drugs they'd be smoking. Um, that's not how it works. But Israel is not in Europe. Um, what? How does that That's, that's work? not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No, it's not. No, it is not. So they returned to the U.S. after a year and settled in 1980 in the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood of San Francisco. Well, that makes all the sense hey, in the world. Haight-Ashbury, excuse me. Let's pause for a minute to talk about Haight-Ashbury. It was once called by Hunter S. Thompson as Hashbury. It was an epicenter for young hippies across America as a place to build their counterculture. 
have drugs and experiment and music. Um, it became the neighborhood for their social experiment before it spread to the rest of the United States. Jefferson Starship and the Grateful Dead came from this neighborhood, and so did a lot of other psychedelic rockers. And in the 80s, a local coffee shop called The Other Cafe, now called Crepes on Coal, became the center for the comedy scene and helped launch the careers of Whoopi Goldberg, Dana Carvey, and Robin Williams. So the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood is still kind of like this, I guess you say boho is the best way to kind yeah. of describe it. At the time, it was like a huge place for like all the hippies to be. Uh-huh. So of course they would move there. That's like right up their alley. That's like their Mecca. Exactly. Israel was not their Mecca. Yeah. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming of the story. So they came back to the U.S., settled in Haight-Ashbury. How did they have money to fly around the world? How does anything, anyone anything... With them, like hippies. I've always wondered that. I mean, they used to hitchhike a lot. That's also how we got a lot of murderers. Mm-hmm. They used to, I mean, like do odd jobs here and there, you know, just to make enough, just enough money to get a one-way ticket to a place and then do the same thing there and then get just enough money to but, get out of there. But then they also needed money for their drugs. Oh, yeah, that or they trade favors for drugs. So you'll do like, oh, I'll fix your roof for a pack of, a pound of wheat or whatever. You know but, what I mean? But then how, how they have money to... I, I don't know, dude. I'm with you. Because, like, I've always had a job. And people that still exist like this. Like, a lot. There's, like, freegans and people like that that, like, eat out of garbage cans and stuff. Oh, don't even get me started on that (laughs) whole thing. Yeah. Have you seen that TLC show where the people that do that and then they, like, go and they get the food from the trash can and then they feed the people and then they don't tell the people what they're eating until after they eat it? I'm fucking kicking your ass <laughs> if you don't tell me that shit came out of the dumpster before I eat it. Well, I think the point there is that the United States wastes so much fucking food that it's I disgusting. That. It facts. Yes, they could easily give that to like instead of throwing it out, give it to food banks, homeless shelters, shelters, yeah. soup kitchens. You know, I agree. But once that hits the dumpster. I'm not going to eat it. That's fair. I'm bougie. I'm a bougie bitch. <laughs> so, his, speaking of his ex-wife, you asked this question. She moved completely, as far fucking away from him as she could, cut off all ties, including to his daughter, after they came back to the U.S. They were like, yeah, we're done here. The, the, there's a lot of spiraling going on. I don't want my daughter in this situation, in and around. I don't care if you are her father. This is not good. Um, so weird things then started happening around them. Like... Oh, God. What did he do? In 1981, Karen Barnes, not related to Susan, by the way, just by coincidence, happened to have the exact same last name. Mm-hmm. A roommate of theirs, by the way. So Karen, at one point, was living with them in the, one of the Haight-Ashbury places as a roommate. So she had the same last name, but not... Not related, no. It's like Smith. Okay. You know, Barnes, Smith, you know, a lot of people have last name, but they're not related. Yeah. Um, She was found dead in their shared apartment in 1981. Oh, she just... Whoops. Yeah. She had 13 stab wounds, a crushed skull, and was found wrapped in a blanket in the basement. Oh, somebody must have broken in. Super weird. Michael and Susan were long gone when she was found, so of of course... course, they were. They were the prime suspects in her murder. Of course. I mean... Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh huh. I mean, I wouldn't suspect them, but I guess somebody did. I know. 
So they actually had moved to Grants Pass, Oregon until spring 82 when they moved back to California and started working on a pot farm in Alder Point in Humboldt County. Yes, that county with the best weed arguably in the world, essentially. I would like to say one thing. Um, it's always a bad idea to work on the pot farm. Yeah, I didn't think so at first until I watched that documentary. I was like, oh, you're just like a farm worker. Okay, what's the big deal? And I was like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Nope, you should never do that. Even legal, like, it's pretty dangerous. Especially because, like, yeah, people will literally, I mean, they could armed robber you. Yeah. Even now. (laughs) Yeah, you should not. No. mm -mm. Yeah. But if you ask them about how they made money, in this case, that's what they did. They would work on the pot farm, get whatever money, and then go live off in the woods and eat fruit and shit. Yeah. Nuts and bears. Others that work with them on the farm said that they were anarchists who thought a nuclear apocalypse would happen at any time. But, I mean, who knows? Everyone's really high. I mean, because, yeah, that's what you do after work. And probably during work. And, you know, I don't doubt it, though. Based on their pattern of behavior, that sounds about right. I Just keep going. Clark Stevens, who worked on the farm, was found dead in 1982 from a gunshot wound after two weeks of being missing. His body was partially burned and buried under chicken fertilizer in the woods outside of the pot farm. Again, Michael and Susan were nowhere to be found. And again, they were the prime suspects of the murder. I'm sure they didn't do it. No, no. It was just time to move on. Exactly. Because you know that's what hippies do. Yeah, they're, they're like kind of nomadic. Yes, yeah. that's the word. This time they left behind some breadcrumbs for the police to find, including a manifesto, which called for President Reagan's assassination. Hippies had a manifesto? Mm-hmm. That's not very hippie-ish. But this being the 1980s, keep in mind this is a lot harder to find them at the time. Yes, they had fingerprints. You could get blood, but there was no blood left behind. There's no DNA at all at this point. And imagine there's no tracking services. There's no location tracking services, no cell phones. Mm, yeah. You you have to know what these people look like to find them or be in the right place at the right time. And these guys are literally every time narrowly escaping capture because, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say they're smart, but... No, they're not smart, but they're... Using the world in which they live at the time to their advantage for damn sure. Well, I think... Everybody did back then. Shit, look at Bundy and Ramirez. and I mean, the only reason Ramirez was even, like, remotely worried at one point was whenever they finally published a photo of him or, like, a really good police composite sketch. Have you seen this man on the front page? And he walked by a newspaper seeing his name, and he was like, oh, shit. But besides that, he would have kept going. He would have kept going. It's crazy. So Los Angeles police picked up a man hitchhiking after someone recognized the man who was hitchhiking as Michael. Was it really Michael? It was. The police captured him. But they let him go, didn't they? And they released him and he vanished. Every time. Want to know why they released him? A police error. Of course. So like a piece of paperwork. Every time. It's every time. Mm -hmm. Every time. The 80s. 80s y'all didn't have your shit together no he did leave more evidence though i mean obviously they got his mugshot they got his address for the time and they got the gun that he left in the back of their police car you are a dumbass why did you leave the gun behind but also like 
Uh, he was probably high and forgot he had it. Yeah. And as a police officer, you got to be kicking yourself like, oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I will say at least he, the Michael doesn't have the gun anymore, but still, those that was the guy. We had the guy. Ugh. In January of 1983, Michael and Susan were hitchhiking outside Bakersfield, California, and given a ride by Charles Hellyer, who was on his way to Santa Rosa. A physical fight ensued while they were driving on the 101. Charles stopped the car on the side of the road because, I mean, <laughs> it's fighting. They got out of the car and kept fighting with Charles, grabbing at him, and Charles grabbed the gun he hid under his own seat to protect himself. Because, okay, you pick up these two people, they start physically like hitting you and shit. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna defend yourself. Why are we picking up hitchhikers? That was never a good idea. Well, this again, this is the seventies and eighties when everyone thought this was still chill and okay to do. It was not a good never. idea back then either. No, it was not. So Susan stabbed Charles while Michael and Charles were fighting over the gun. Michael unfortunately wrestled it away from him and shot Charles, killing him on the side of the road in front of everybody on the one-on-one. And let me guess, nobody stopped because in the 80s, it wasn't our business. They did. Someone did stop to call the cops. So my guess is they stopped, probably because traffic is shit on the one-on-one anyway, but also they're stopped at some point, went to some payphone and called the cops. See, and that was another thing in the 80s. Yeah. You had to find a payphone. Yeah, you couldn't just like, oh, let me just call the cops. But... They were everywhere back then. They were. They were. So th- you could probably just go across the street to like in front of a gas station or wherever and then just pick up a phone and call the cops. So cops came, all right, and they tried to flee in Charles's car, this like stupid ass high speed chase they tried to do till they crashed the car and then they were arrested. It's really weird how you can just arrest white people but you can't arrest black people. You feel the need, you have to shoot them. You know what I mean? I feel like she's only saying this because of last week's episode. Yeah, just saying. It's really weird. You can take the white people in without, you know, incident, and they're totally fine. They get in there without having too many cuts and scrapes and bruises, but, you know, black person, yeah, different story. I digress. So, question is, Obviously, they did all three of those murders. Well, yes, they did. Hello. Of course they did. But why? Because they're psychopaths? Yeah. That's, well, yes. Besides the drugs, their mysticism started warping into this Christian, Muslim, Jewish mysticism oh. manifesto. Oh, oh, we're going to try to use religion, but we're like using a grab bag of religion yes to suit their what their brain is telling them from all the drugs so it's not a real religion it's just like i'm gonna mix this up and Mm -hmm. do a swirly yes they would live off fruit from the woods and sometimes just live inside the woods as well nothing wrong with that but when you add it to the soup mix we got going here it's a little little much they read the Bible, Quran, and other mystic books thinking they were being told by these books to kill witches. Oh, so, yes, because witches are real. Yes. So everyone they murdered, they thought they were murdering because they were a witch. Mm. And this was part of a holy war. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, the man that picked you up on the side of the road, he was a witch. Oh, no, he was a, um, let's see here, black witch, according to Susan, which we will get to in a moment. Mm. Yeah. The Petaluma Argus Courier reported in 1983 that Michael said, quote, how can you have a war without killing? I mean, he's not wrong, but he ain't right either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> During, excuse me, after their arrest, Michael and Susan called a press conference to confess to killing three people. They were, I mean, clearly on drugs. <laughs> Who does that? Um, during this five-hour press conference, they stated that they were just vegetarian Muslim yogis who believed they had to exterminate people they believed to be witches. That abortion, witchcraft, and homosexuality caused death. <sighs> Karen, their roommate, was killed because they believed she really didn't convert to their religion like she said that, that she did, and she was, quote, draining Miss Carson of her health and yogic powers. No, she didn't convert because you're crazy. Yeah. I'm sure she was actively trying to find a way to get the fuck out of there, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I'd rather <laughs> sleep in a bus depot. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. For the second murder of Clark from the pot farm, he had allegedly sexually assaulted Susan and was a demon. No, he probably didn't. Susan probably voluntarily had sex with him and got caught. And she was like, no, he attacked me mm -hmm. or it's all a fabrication which yeah. in this case this is not one of those victim blaming situations this is a i'm going to use this as a way to get out of this yeah 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 poor charles who they picked up off the road allegedly called who, who excuse me picked them off the road allegedly called susan a witch and then sexually assaulted her too Mm -hmm. I'm sure. In the car as While they're driving, driving down the 101. Yes, because um, I do that all the time. Yeah. I, I start having sex with somebody else in my car while I'm driving. Yes. It's really common. Happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I do it every day on my way home from work. Uh -huh. The Press Democrat paper reported in 1985 that they said that he was a black witch. They said they confessed because, quote, we don't believe in lying and we are not fools. We know exactly what we were doing. We're doing it for a good reason. Murder's okay, lying's wrong. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They have never shown remorse for what they have done. Of course not. After this press conference, all of a sudden, they withdrew their confession and pled not guilty. Of course they did. Because they got an attorney that told them to. Yep. Glad they saw right through this at the jury sentencing because they were convicted and sentenced to multiple life sentences for each murder that they committed. Michael was quoted as saying, Only fools fear death. Death is not a cruel thing. Locking a man in a cage is a cruel thing. Good. Good. I hope you rot there. Jennifer... James slash Michael Bear's daughter, Jen, found out about her dad in the third grade from the newspapers, even looking up words to figure out what was being said about him. Oh, God bless. Her mom was obviously trying to keep her as far away from this as possible. Well, yeah. But I also understand her curiosity because that is your father. And yeah. you did have him for the first like nine years of your life. Yeah. She said that started my lifelong battle with nightmares. 
From conviction to multiple appeals, court proceedings lasted from when Jennifer was nine to 19 years old. She lived with fear, trauma, and even suicidal thoughts attempting multiple times. She used to write to her father for a while until one time she wrote to him saying that, she, that he should stay in prison. After that, his letter back got very, very scary, so she petitioned for them both to stay in prison every time they came up for parole. Michael's daughter does believe that he will kill again. Uh, of course he would. Yeah. Her mom even had health problems because of all the physical abuse of, from being married to Michael. However, I am not going to leave y'all on that because fuck that shit. Jen didn't take this lying down and fought against her trauma, got her master's degree in counseling, and eventually started a suicide hotline to help others. Good for her. Not the one we said at the beginning. I will get that one that Jen is running on our podcast website, so y'all can have that as well. But I was like, hell yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Jen said, quote, all children can get through any experience and then transcend that experience. I love that. Because, I mean, really, the besides the people and the families of the people that were murdered are obviously victims. It's the families of the murderers that are victims that a lot of times people forget. You have no choice of the family you're born into. Correct. This this girl, woman, now, she's like in her 40s, mid-40s, has to live with this every single day. And so and she... Every time he comes up for a parole. Exactly. It's not like she can go on with her life. And she, I think he's coming up again here soon in like 20, 30-something or whatever, whatever. But again, to this day, neither him nor Susan have been like, oh shit, you know, the 70s and 80s was a crazy time. We were super high. Like It we was the drugs, up. the drugs something with my brain. I didn't know what I was doing. Anything. Whatever bullshit you can come up with. But no, they're literally, I don't think that the drugs caused them to go over the edge. I feel like they were already on the edge, both of them in their lives. And it was just kind of like, uh, now this makes it easier to do. Yeah. Because we have this, like, otherworldly experience. And then, oh, when we're going to make this new, like, religion to justify all the our actions and whatever else. And they actually may still believe that bullshit from back in the day. Oh, that makes me want to. Yeah. Ugh. It's, it was a crazy case. Y'all should definitely watch that Murderous Mountain doc as well on Netflix. It was, it's interesting because it's, it's mainly about the pot farm, of course, but then these people that come into it, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I'm going to make you forget all about it. Awesome, please. Do you know who Niles Pickard is? No. Well, you probably don't know who he is unless you're like one of his friends. He's just a German dad with a five-year-old little boy. Just a regular old Joe Blow. Okay. Niles... He isn't a movie star, he isn't a singer, he isn't a famous activist. He's just a dad. And he's doing what I think makes him an amazing dad. So, I mean, this is, I don't have a lot of history, I don't have a lot of backstory. Um, he's, he's just supporting his son. So how's he doing that? Well... His son likes to wear his sister's dresses. So, Niles wears them too. 
Oh, I love it. With He's, his son? Mm-hmm. He says they live in a small town and his son's dress choices are seen as everyone's business and he decided the best way to stand up for his son is by actions, not words. Niles, I love this. I do too. So Niles says, and I'm quoting, yes, I'm one of those dads that try to raise their children equal. I'm not one of those academic daddies that ramble about gender equality during their studies and then as soon as the child's in the house still relapse into those fluffy gender roles. He's finding fulfillment in his carrier and she's doing the rest. Thus, I am, I know by now, part of the minority that makes a fool of themselves from time to time out of conviction. I will confess that I don't particularly like wearing dresses or skirts, he says. I'm like a soccer mom who doesn't love the sport, (laughs) but does love her kids. I couldn't care more about my boy being happy, self-assured, compassionate person. So now's his son may decide to stop wearing dresses one day. He may not. That doesn't matter one way or the other. But one thing um, he will always have is the love and support from his dad. Mm-hmm. That security that um, goes along and the security that goes along with it. So many kids don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with the clothing. It has everything to do with the psychological ramifications of the support that Niles is giving his son. Absolutely. How beautiful. Go back to one thing. Go scroll up just a little bit. The the sentence he said he's finding fulfillment in his carrier. I love that statement because it's literally it's exactly what it is. This body carries us it's not the other way around and i think so many people forget that it's like that's why this whole like people are like i don't understand transgender people it's like when you put it in terms like that it makes total sense so this is a picture of him his son um this is actually a huffington post article and so um look how cute they are you know he that's precious. And it's true. Like, this could just be something that, a five, as a five-year-old, I just, he just likes wearing his sister's dresses because his yeah. sisters wear them and he wants to be like his sisters. There's nothing wrong with that. It, that's fine. He could decide to stop doing it one day. He may continue on. Who knows? That's not the point. The point is, his dad is supporting him. Mm-hmm. And... Showing others, it doesn't. It's not your business what my son does. Exactly. And the most important thing is, he is the psychological mm-hmm. support he's giving his child. Yep. And it's like he said, I don't like wearing skirts or dresses, but I love my son. Mm-hmm. And I care more about him being happy, self-assured. And compassionate. I love that. And that's exactly what he's instilling in him. And people think, oh, this he's a baby. He's not going to remember. Yes, you do. You do remember things like this. I remember shit from when I was a year and a half. I had to ask my parents like 14 times to verify. I was like, I was how old when this happened? Because I remember very distinctly this thing happening and me crawling up on a chair and everything. And they're like, you were a year and a half when that happened. I'm like, well, I remember. So yeah, dude, it matters. So, you know... It's not 
is not always about the action. Mm-hmm. It's about the psychological ramifications that come from the action. Right. It's a. It's also like psychological safety because now the sun has. It will feel safe to if when he's older go. I'm a woman. If that's what happens. Or, like you said, maybe this is just a phase and he just wants to wear dresses now. Maybe he always wants to wear dresses and he's non-binary. Maybe he's queer. Like, all of these things. But I love that his dad has created this safe space for him to, to be able to express himself and it's, however he wants. And it's not even about wearing the dresses, not wearing the dresses. Not even the, just the sexuality, the non-sexuality, the gender whatever it's also about he is setting up for his son to know no matter what happens in his life Mm -hmm. he can count on his father to support him and be there for him Mm -hmm. in any situation yeah and that's really important and that goes for like oh shit i'm drunk i'm at this party i need to get out of here i'm gonna call my dad yeah to i mean situations like this yes i mean not even that, like not even yeah. this, yeah. but yes, um, I need someone to talk to. I'm upset about somebody in school said something mean to me. Right. They didn't like my haircut. I'm upset. Yeah. Or I'm depressed. Or I've had a great fucking day. The first person he's going to call now is his dad. Yeah. Like, just the psychological foundation he has built between him and his son is amazing mm-hmm. i love it i also love that there's no assumptions being made here either like he didn't say oh my child's gonna come out or oh my child is um you know a transgender or whatever no he's just like it just is what it is and i'm fully supporting my son period it has and also this is another great point about this whole thing why are clothes gendered to begin with? It's just a piece of cloth shaped in a certain way. Who gives a shit if a man wears a goddamn dress? Who gives a shit if a woman wears pants? Think about that. It's that same idea, guys. Like, whenever women weren't allowed to wear pants and all that stuff, because, like, oh, that's a man thing. We've clearly proven that wrong. Why can't it be the other way around? Who cares? Who cares if it makes you feel like you Do it. And I just pray that you have a support system like that. And if you don't, reel back to the beginning of the episode, stand in families. But also, Nils, man, I'm going to keep an eye out for this guy. We should do like a Google alert just to see what else he does as a dad. I mean, I'm sure he's a private citizen. He wants to keep his life out of the news. (laughs) He is like, I mean, obviously the Huffington Post did an article on him and he like right. gave them quotes and things but he just lives in a small German town being a dad to his five-year-old son and his obviously his daughter or daughters I'm not quite sure how many kids he has because there's not a lot of information out there about him which is fine yeah bro Let him live his life I think you're an amazing father top-notch if I had a trophy to send you I would send you the motherfucking trophy of them all. The trophy of the trophies of the trophies. Yeah. He's killing the game, man. He definitely rewrote a couple of rules there. And I love that this is how he stood up to all the, like, you know, those people in the neighborhood all super judgy. Who thought it was their business about what his son wore. 
He's like, no, fuck you. Mind your business. You know what? This is what I'm talking about last episode when I say petty. Yeah, this is a good this is the good form of petty. It's like petty, but in a way This is bougie petty. Yeah, making a point. Let's just make a point. Like here. he's like, you know what? I'm not even gonna have words with them. I'm just gonna put on a dress and go out with my son. Yep. We gonna go to the store. We're gonna go get our bread. We're gonna go get our eggs. We're gonna do us. I'm gonna take him to story time. We're gonna do whatever we do, but we gonna do it matching dresses. Yep. Good for you, Nils. Good for you, Nils. Definitely, definitely a trophy dad. Yes, 152%. I love it. That's all I got. He was real short because I don't need to say anything else about him. No, nope. I think that's a, that's a great way to end it. Thank y'all so much for listening. Seriously, we really appreciate y'all cunties. And as always, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.